0: in Paris, France, and I'm here with a friend of mine that you saw in that, uh, in that movie uh, named Bill Campbell who's a missionary with Greater Europe Mission and a pastor of this church plant in Paris. Matt Doan and I were invited by Greater Europe Mission and they brought us over to this um, this conference in-, in Paris a couple years ago where, you know, we were kind of like, well, sure, we'll go to Paris, like whatever, you know, of course, uh, and... and And it was there in this little coffee shop called Cozy that we met Bill here and began to be just so inspired by the incredible work that he was doing and also that Greater Europe Mission was doing around Europe. And so just grateful to have you here with us, Bill. And
1: And thank you. It's awesome to be here.
0: Yeah. So why don't you just share with us a little bit, you're a guy from Philly, you know, why... Let's (laughs) go Eagles. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a couple friends and a lot of foes, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, just why
1: Paris? Why, why Europe? Why France? Why'd you go? Yeah. Well, Paris is the number one tourist destination in the world. And so a lot of times we hear Europe and Paris, we think, oh, that's, you know, it's just for tourism. But I went there in the mid-90s uh, on a summer missions trip. I had just gotten saved out of drugs and alcohol and everything and was excited about Jesus. And, and when I got over there, we were doing street evangelism, and I was just shocked by the spiritual need of the French people. At the time, the percentage of evangelicals there was 0.05%. And they were telling us that throughout Europe, it was about 1%. And it just, it just totally rocked my world. And so I went back again the following summer, and then I wound up there as a missionary. Um, now, evangelicals are about 1% of the population. So in France, it's 65 million people in the uh, in population of the country. So that's 650,000 known self-identifying evangelicals that we have in France. In Europe now, it's about 2%. Um, and so the need is just, it's just tremendous. The old cathedrals, they're turning them into nightclubs now and doing drugs and fornicating in them and um, Islam's coming in. And uh, France has more Muslims than any other uh, country in, in Europe. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous spiritual need. But the exciting thing in France right now is that the secular media is reporting that evangelicals are the fastest growing religious group in France, growing faster than, amen. Growing faster than, um, you know, the Muslims and, and all that. And so it's a really special time for Europe now with the refugees come in and all the nations of the world are there in Europe. And that's the amazing thing. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the the kingdom shall be preached in every nation, and then the end shall come. What a great opportunity we have now to reach all the nations of the world uh, right there in Europe, in in these great cities like Paris, Berlin, London, and others. And just uh, to finish this part, um, we were recently at Finishing the Task, and we were talking about all the unreached people groups. And many of the unreached people groups... Are our, our deaf people groups there in europe and what a tremendous opportunity we have to to uh to, to reach those unreached people groups and i just want to give a shout out to our brothers and sisters here we just love you and we're praying for the unreached people groups amongst the deaf they're coming up so trusting god for a great move amongst the the deaf in europe
0: absolutely and bev staley's probably somewhere in this room who's another yeah another uh, i don't know where she's at but uh and it's great so um now, when we were in that little coffee shop, uh, you told some stories of just life and what is ministry like in Paris? Because I'm sure we all think, you know, oh, par- Paris is Champs-Elysees, Paris is Eiffel Tower, all of that. But what, what, maybe a story or, or two of what ministry is like?
1: First of all, your, ex- your accent was excellent on Champs-Elysees. Was Thank really you, good. I try. <laughs> Sometimes Americans say, do you go to Champs-Elysees? I go, I'm, I'm sorry, I what, what was that? love the Champs-Elysees. Champs-Elysees, so... Uh, yeah, we're actually on the southeast side of Paris. We're in a town called champigny sur marne which is about 90,000 people. It's a communist-run town, has been so for almost a century. Um, and so it's a lot of low-income, uh, a lot of Muslim there. In fact, one of the ISIS beheaders was known to have come from champigny sur marne um, So we're in a pretty rough area. Paris is very much like, um, like New York or L.A. There's glamorous parts, but there's also an underbelly. And we live kind of in the middle of that underbelly there. Um, So we do a lot of outreach. We do a lot of different ministries. I coach American football, um, which, you know, which is growing a little bit in France. But um, it's very, I have a lot of stories to tell about, you know, wide receivers who can't catch and (laughs) linebackers who can't tackle and offensive linemen who can't block. So uh, I think we need the Slaters to come over and help us out a little bit there. But, um, that's a good missions opportunity. Amen. amen. So we've done a lot of different stuff, but our bread and butter is just going out, being amongst the lost, literally going door to door. We go with our French disciples and, uh, one day we were in this high rise and we're going door to door. And again, it's mostly Muslim. And, um, we came across this one door and we could hear arguing and yelling and fighting and the door was filthy dirty and, you know, we knocked on it and, you know, the the woman answered and her hair's like this she's smoking and and um she's like what do you want we're like hi god loves you we're here to you know we're here to pray for you (laughs) like how can we pray for you and she's like what like what the are you talking about and all this and so we're trying to navigate it and just we just want to pray for them and bless them finally she's like fine come in we go in the house is a filthy mess there's animals everywhere uh, her boyfriend's sitting in the corner. He's smoking weed and drinking a 40, 40 ounce of beer and everything. And so me and my, my friend, uh, Mimi, we're like, hey, can we share a story with you? We start sharing the, the gospel with her, start reading the Bible to her. We start praying for them. But it's like a battle because, like, like I said, there's, like, animals everywhere. The couch is just filthy everywhere. And at one point, there's, like, the couch has, like, holes in it and stuff. And at one point, there was, like, a like a snout, like, coming up through the couch, like like, kind of, like, coming at me like through the thing and i'm like i don't even know what kind of animal that is you know what i mean i'm just like jesus help me right now you know and uh the dog bit my my friend mimi and so she's like nursing a wound as we're trying to share you know the boyfriend's sitting in the corner he's like, yeah, you know but at one point the atm- atmosphere shifted as we were sharing reading the bible to her they became open. We, we prayed for them. They received prayer. She started weeping. Her story was tragic. Her, her dad had killed her mother when she was younger. She came up in the system, eight siblings, foster care. They were put into a child pedo, pedo, uh, pedophilia ring uh, through the system, through the French system. Her s- brother at one point was being forced to live in a trash can in the foster mother's home. You know, just the trauma, you know, these people are dealing with. And um, so we we're loving on them. She came to house church that Sunday. That was a Thursday night. Loving She's weeping and bawling in our living room. We're sharing Christ with her. She says yes to Jesus. We talk about, hey, let's get baptized. She says yes. We baptized her in our bathtub that day. Started discipling her. She started leading us to her friends. She started praying for people, seeing healings of the, the alcoholics and stuff who would come and hang out at her house. And um, then her boyfriend got baptized a couple months after that. And we started discipling them and stuff. And, and uh, her name's Natalie and Jeremy. So um, that's just one example of, of some of the stuff we do there.
0: It's incredible, right? Amen. And your church there is called Liberté, right? For freedom and freedom in Christ. Yep. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And when well, we were sitting in that cafe meeting, uh, meeting Bill, and Bill was sharing, I think it was actually when Bill was sharing his story. is It was which is about five minutes from now, but it was ten oh two AM strikes while we were there. And I I didn't know anything about all this. All of a sudden everybody's phones start going off and buzzing and vibrating and and beeping. And it was in that moment that it was explained. Oh hey, let's stop and pray. And they're oh yeah, we should probably explain to these people that have no idea what we're doing. And they explained to us right there this ten oh two prayer to pray that the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers for the harvest. And it was in that moment that we uh, just caught fire. Matt Dunn and I just caught fire for that and brought that back to Calvary as a regular practice that we do on the daily. And so that's, that came from this moment with Bill. And so, Bill, in addition to us praying for you at 10.02 a.m. every day, mark your phones and calendars, right? Come on. And, uh, but how else can people be just kind of joining in, supporting, finding out more about Greater Your Mission?
1: Well, GEM's all over Europe. We've got 300 uh, missionary units all over Europe. Um, just tremendous opportunities now, uh, especially with the summer coming. Uh, just are always doing missions trips all over Europe, from London to Paris to Madrid to Rome to, to Lesbos, Greece, where you were. We have a refugee center right there. And our and the, college
0: group is going this summer as well. So.
1: Right. So it's, it's all set up. It's very easy now. You guys are blessed with LAX right here. You can get on a flight and you could be serving on the front lines in a refugee crisis like in two days uh, because it's fully set up and um, it's a tremendous tremendous mission agency great opportunities go online gemission.org gemission.org everything is set up there and uh, maybe if you're lucky one day you'll wind up in paris
0: (laughs) there you go uh and so i just i want to continue just to really advocate for the work that bill and everyone else within greater your mission and, and all of our missionaries of course but this this work right now specifically that we uh, are, are just on board with them as calvary church i'm personally on board with them literally and so just excited for what god is doing so i'd love to talk to you more about that because we really believe that something's happening in europe with this opportunity for the gospel that we can join in on that is unprecedented people that, you know, we're talking about the nations coming into our neighborhood right now, and they are coming into our neighborhoods here and into these neighborhoods across Europe, and there are people by the tens of thousands coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. So, Bill, we want to just thank you from Calvary Church. Let's give him a a warm applause and thanks. Thank you so much. Um, And then I just would like right now then to introduce our speaker today who. Grew up in the Philippines, has served in India, and is the author of the book that is our theme for this time that we have here at this Reach Week, which is across the street and around the world. So let's give another warm welcome to Jeannie Marie. Thank, Thank you, Thank you
2: to be here this morning in person to kick off your Across the Street and Around the World Reach Week. All this stuff is so cool, I just have to say. Now, my husband is here with me this morning, and we ditched the deserts of Arizona yesterday and left our four children to fend for themselves and headed headed straight for the ocean to get some fill-up time. And I practiced speaking to the seagulls on a long walk on the beach. And I just want to thank you for inviting us to your little corner of heaven on earth, really. So it is a great honor to speak in the house of God, to the people of God, about the not-yet-future family of God that live far away across the ocean, and some of them are moving here across the street. I'm here to speak of the injustice, the often unspoken of tragedy of 3 billion people in the world without access to Jesus Christ as the way to God and his message of freedom and love and hope and what we can all do about it right here, right now. It's Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, tribal animists, and people from formerly communist countries, mostly, who have so few followers of Jesus in their midst that they will never have a chance to get this freedom in Christ. So I'm standing here to speak on their behalf. And if they were here today, they would say, please welcome us when we come to your country. Please pray for us. Come and live with us and be good news to us. Send and support people who will come and tell people about us. So I was 38 years old when I met my first Muslim. I dragged my two-year-old daughter across um, from my white picket fence backyard to an hour away to where the refugees were being resettled in Phoenix. And Aisha walked out to meet me, and she was dressed from head to toe in black. I was terrified. And she said, why are you here? And I decided on genuineness, and I said, well, I'm actually reading the Bible and trying to do what it says. And it says to love your enemies. And I don't really... I can't think of any enemies except ones I don't really know. But 9 11 happened, and I often thought that um, people who don't know each other um, often perceive each other as enemies. And so I thought it would be a good idea for me to meet a Muslim. She didn't say anything. And then I said, and I'm also a follower of Jesus, I worship God. And he says to give a cup of cold water in my name. And also to welcome the foreigner. And I know you're helping refugees. And I thought, well, maybe I could help. She said, yes, you can help. Oh, I thought, well, okay, we're going to be doing like a a food uh, drive or a clothes collection campaign. And instead she said, I met a young widow from Iraq with two small children the other day and her husband was accidentally killed by American soldiers. And if everything you're saying is true, then I want you to come with me to her apartment tomorrow and ask forgiveness from the American people." I said, yes, and it opened up an avenue of adventure in my life that I never thought possible. But. I wasn't always the sort of person that went looking for random Muslims to befriend or refugees to help. I mean, I went to church. I, we did a life group. I prayed. I read my Bible. You know, I was trying to raise four kids. And I played volleyball and scrap. I was pretty, pretty nice to my neighbors, you know. But I was missing something. I was missing something. It was like... I was smiling as a follower of Jesus, but I was missing two front teeth. I was missing God's heart, a big part of God's heart, and that's his global heart. I was missing that he wanted people from every nation, every tribe, every culture to come be a part of his family, to get freedom in Christ. I somehow, in all my reading of the Bible, I just... I miss the thread of God's story from Genesis all the way to Revelation of God's heart for the nations. And so we look in Genesis here. God told Abraham, right in the first book of the Bible, I will bless you and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Families is translated ethnicities or people groups will be blessed through you. I'm going to bless you so that all the nations, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Then he confirmed that with his son Isaac, and then he said it again with Jacob. Throughout the Old Testament, God kept pressing the Israelites to be a light to the nations. He sent Daniel to the Babylonians. He sent Esther to the Persians, Jonah to the Ninevites. I mean, they even got their own book in the bible right did you know also he placed jerusalem at the center of the earth the center of the nations with lands all around them it was a trade route actually so the nations had to come through and get blessed by israel for the people who were called to stay at home god told the prophet isaiah i will bless you i will make you a light to the nations And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Then the Apostle Peter brought this covenant a blessed to be a blessing right into the New Testament. Because he said, hey, we're all descendants of Abraham. And actually I'm going to bless your descendants so that you can also pass on this blessing to all the families of the earth. So that means us too. God has blessed us so that we can bless the families of the earth this thread weaves right through to revelation where we catch a vision the outcome of god's heart for the nations and you can see it there john had a vision and he saw all of the angels and everyone standing before god at the end of time and there were people there from every tribe every language every nation, every people. They're all going to be there. God loves diversity. And he wants to gather people from every people group. And we can be part of that. So reaching out to every culture is not just a few people's thing. It's God's thing. And if it's God's thing, then it's my thing too. Reaching out to every culture isn't just a few people's thing. It's God's thing. And if it's God's thing, it's my thing too. But I wasn't moving overseas anytime soon, and so I didn't think there was much I could do to be a light to the nations from my suburb in Arizona. Sometimes, I just—I want to shatter that misconception right now, Sometimes we believe that if we're not ready to move to a tribal group in Papua New Guinea, or maybe we're not a physician eradicated to, or trained to eradicate diseases, maybe we um, don't have a role. We can't play something in the world. But you want to wake up to a big piece of God's heart to start having spiritual adventures in other nations? Here's how to do it. Start small. We start somewhere you already are, and you start soon. I want to talk about five steps that we can take this morning. First, we can welcome the foreigner. Right here. Right now. It really helps to put a face that's a friend to the big word, nations. Or the scary word, Muslims, or maybe the unknown word, Hindu. Or Buddhist. I mean, how many of us have really good friends that are Hindu, Muslim, and Buddhist? So I went with Aisha the next day to um, the apartment of the widow of war, and her name was Hajar. And you know, sometimes these things, these conversations, are not always clear cut, and we don't really know what to say. But we have the Holy Spirit in us, and He goes with us wherever we are, and he can tell us what to say and when to say it and how to say it. So I held, held Hadra's hands in mine and I said, I am so sorry for the death of your husband and I want to stand with you and ask forgiveness from our people and I want you to know also that I honored uh, the people that serve our country as I, as I did this with her, um. But we cried together. We cried together. And then I said, um, you know, her name was, is Arabic uh, for Hagar. And so I said, I have a story for you, and I feel like God wants you to hear it. You probably feel like Hagar in the desert. And you know part of the story I told her because it's in your holy book. And she nodded. And Hagar was cast out of her home and had to wander in the desert. She didn't know how she was going to provide for her family and her children, her child. And I said, you probably look ahead and you just see a desert. And her tears did indeed confirm this. And I said, but then an angel of the Lord appeared and spoke to her. And Aisha interrupted me. said, And what did he say? I thought, this is so surreal. The first Muslim I ever met translating a bible story for the second muslim i ever met and i said he said i see you i see you and actually i'm going to bless your descendants i'm going to take care of you and this is what we say to those that we want to welcome to our country we say god sees you and i see you and i want to be your friend Practically, this means we say yes. We take a thousand small steps of yes in an intentional direction. For me, this one small yes led to another small yes and another small yes until pretty soon a whole community of Iraqi refugees opened up and were coming in and out of our suburban American home. And then we moved on to serve and love international students. And it's exciting and fun because they're here. They're coming. The nations are coming to us, coming to the blessing of Jesus. There's resettled refugees coming from places you're never going to go for vacation. Sudan, Somalia, Syria, even some from Yemen. And they're just down the street. There's asylum seekers and immigrants too. And there's a million international students studying in America right now mostly from India, China, and Saudi Arabia. 80% of them are never going to visit an American home or a believing home, and then they're going to go back and influence the entire fabric of their countries because they're leaders. So remember today that I'm speaking um, on behalf of people with least access to Jesus, not just unsaved people, because we're going to reach out to everyone around us, but there are major, major blocks of people that do not have access to Jesus because there's just not enough believers in their people groups that speak the same language, that have the same history, that marry each other. The gospel's never going to get in there. So yes, we're going to love everyone. We're going to love the person in front of us. But also, these people are going to get left out of the blessing unless we're very intentional about meeting and befriending them. So if you're going to especially... um, befriend and meet Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists. It's just not going to happen just by accident. You have to put yourself in places where they are and open your eyes and see them because they're right here. They're in your schools. They're in your workplaces. They're in the grocery store. They're, half, they're just a half an hour, an hour away being resettled um, across town as refugees. They're in our, um, in our universities and i heard that 30% of santa ana is actually foreign born that's amazing so you may be still a little unsure about all this i mean i understand i'm i'm from arizona you're from california and this is a this welcoming the foreigner is a, is a hot you know complicated issue i get that but let me assure you that welcoming the foreigner is a deeply biblical practice it is a deeply biblical practice there's numerous references in the old testament that highlight god's concern for the oppression of foreigners living under israel's protection here's one moses said that god shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing so you too must show love to foreigners and then, several times in the Old Testament, in the same breath that the Lord expressed concern for the oppression of widows and orphans and the poor, he also mentioned the oppression of foreigners. Ruth found favor as a foreigner, and she ended up in the family line of jesus and she also got her own book. Jesus was a refugee too, and Joseph and Mary fled. With baby Jesus, they had to flee to Egypt to become asylum seekers from a Roman Roman oppression. So we can welcome people groups right here without access to Jesus. That's the first thing. Second, every one of us can speak on behalf of these people to God. We pray. We fight. We seek. We listen. We ask God on behalf of these people. And we do it on our knees. But one thing we often forget when we pray is that sometimes we have to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. We need to know about these peoples. We don't really know a whole lot about them. How many of us even know the largest Muslim countries in the world? That's Indonesia, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh. These are all Asian countries. We don't often think of Muslims as Asian, right? And then how about the largest Buddhist countries? It's China and Japan and Cambodia, Thailand. You probably know the largest um, Hindu country. Yep, that's India. But we've got to do research so that we can pray strategically and intelligently. Here's an example. Did you know that there is just one state in India with 200 million people? It's called Uttar Pradesh. So in comparison, the United States has 300 million people. One state with 200 million people, mostly Muslims and Hindus, and there is 0.1% that identify as Christian. 0.1%. It's like a whole country. How is this even possible in this day and age? My husband and I and a group of friends started researching like this and started praying for unreached people groups. And we found um, a, a people group of 10 million people. We started salting our imagination with stories about them in pictures, about their situation and their culture. We understood that our prayers did something. It is work to pray. Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against um, the powers of this world, but against the unseen powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And we also knew that in James it says that um, the po- their powerful and effective prayers of a righteous person does something and so we prayed and this people group in india 10 million um, with no cross-cultural workers going to them and only a handful of believers someone said that we never found and there was a picture of a white beach i will say (laughs) we prayed in creative ways and we dreamed about what it might look like um, to go there when we pray this is what happens when we pray and we listen to god a restlessness Starts to stir us to action. That's what prayer does. And then we hear God saying, what are you going to do about this? And then Jesus says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. So we can welcome the foreigner across the street. We can pray strategically. And then some of us will go around the world. So we prayed for three years until we finally uh, convinced a small group of us to go and check this place out. There was nobody we knew there. And, um, and then my husband and I and another couple decided to go and ask God how he sees these people and what our role might be in it. So we found ourselves in a little uh, restaurant in the middle of a Muslim quarter. And again, someone found us, came up to us and said, why are you here? And we said, well, we're trying to see um, if the kingdom of God is here. uh, Do you know of it? And he said, hmm, I think it's just 15 minutes north of here. (laughs) Actually, we did find the kingdom of God working in a man that we called Cornelius. And he was a historian that agreed to tell us about the history of this people group. And he grilled us for an hour. Why are you here? And we said, We're business people from America. We were. We work for Fortune 500 companies. We know that unemployment is high here, and we want to come here, start businesses to create jobs for locals. I said, And we are also people who worship the one true God, and we're people of peace. And we want to help people find peace with God and peace with each other. And he stood up and he said, I have good news for you. I am not just a historian. I am actually the secretary of the Chamber of Commerce for the entire city. And I want to welcome you to our city. And he said, in fact, we have a Chamber of Commerce meeting tonight where all the leading businessmen of the city are going to be there. And I want you to come as my guest, and you will tell everyone why you are here. And... He said, and I was the one designated to talk about the peace, and he looked at me and said, and I want you to talk about that peace. It's that great verse, Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because God has given, Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples, To obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, know that I'm with you always to the end of the age. So when we put apostolic feet on uncharted ground, something happens in the heavenlies. It shifts, and a mustard seed of the kingdom begins to grow, and then the branches spread so that the birds can come and rest on it. Eventually, we found ourselves saying a thousand small yeses, Until we sold all our stuff, we quit our jobs, and we found ourselves living in a bright green house on the edge of a city of a million people in a chaotic, colorful um, city by the sea in India. We're back now, but our friends are still there, and they're still the only cross-cultural workers there for 10 million people. We've started four businesses, hired about 40 locals. People are hearing stories of Jesus getting prayed for. And we're still praying for a movement of people to come to Jesus Christ in that place. So we can welcome the foreigner, we can pray, we can go. And then I'll just mention two more ways to have an adventure with God to the nations. Giving generously and inspiring, mobilizing inspirationally. So in Matthew 16, it says to store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't, don't destroy it. And I'm all for, like, going for a million years of investment and beyond. So I think giving is really important and all giving is important. But there is a great imbalance. There's a great imbalance, another injustice. A group called the Traveling Team suggests that 99 out of every $100 that's given to missions or foreign missions goes to people and places that already have Christians and churches. I'm so proud of Calvary. You have so many people that you're sending and supporting to unreached people groups and places in the world where people have never heard come on that is amazing you guys should be so proud of yourselves and you have so yeah and you have so many people here to this week that you can connect with i can see that you're getting behind them and you're welcoming them and making them just lavishing generosity on them and crying with them and giving them a car when they come back and a place to stay because it's not just about funding it's about sending well So these people that you're going to be meeting this week during Reach Week, you know, you think of them as heroes. Well, they are heroes. They started out as ordinary people but became heroes over time because it's hard out there. It's hard. And they need you, every one of you, to meet with them and pray with them and to refresh them as they come in the time out of a boxing match so that they can go back out. That's why it's so important that all of us are involved. They're going to give their blood, their time, bring their children. So you be generous, and I know you are. And lastly, you can talk about this to others. You too can speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. It's called mobilizing. You can help other people know about it and create structures for people to get involved. So that's what I'm doing now that we're back. Uh, that's why I wrote this book. Um, I wrote it so that ordinary people could live a life of spiritual adventure. It's a, it's a practical guidebook to help you learn how to cross cultures with Jesus, uh, with confidence and compassion, courage and spiritual intentionality right here across the street. And then you can wrestle with questions of going around the world. Who doesn't have this book yet? Who wants it? All right, come and get it right here. <laughs> you get a free book. <laughs> All right, so now you got to go make some refugee friends. <laughs> okay, and then I also have a, a fun quiz um, called Grow to Go." Uh, grow to go test, growtogo.test.com. There you can take it online, and it's just a list of fussy questions that help you kind of discern what you can do next and where you land when you're trying to um, help people. So Matt Doan and his team, I just have to say. They are master mobilizers because all the stuff that they have planned for you this week, do not miss out. There are—he's created—they've created created structures and experiences and opportunities for you to have an experience, to get closer to God's heart. So don't miss out. I especially was really kind of excited about this three-day Discover by Doing. We did this in our—in our church, too. And um, my husband, actually, that's how really the Holy Spirit got a hold of his heart. So he went all day barefoot, he runs a distribution center, and then he came home and did the devotional and said, Jeannie, and he came to me and he was crying, and he said, there are so many people out there that need Jesus. And I said, I know. And it really was pivotal in our relationship to be able to um, decide what we wanted to do uh, for Jesus and the nation's. So I'm closing with this. I get that some of you are just struggling to survive. Your marriages are falling apart. Maybe your finances are a mess. Maybe your children aren't following the Lord or you have a health issue that was really serious. I get that. I've been there. And I want to say to you, all this may sound really nice, but not where you're at right now. And I want to say to you to run after Jesus, to spend so much time with him, to get that freedom from that addiction, to go after that marriage and that child and follow Jesus and get that freedom and that joy and that hope because one day he's going to lift up your head. He's going to lift up your head and you're going to be able to give away what you've received because we can't give away what we don't have. We can't give away what we don't have. And also, we only have to be one step ahead of the person behind us that's getting healing, where we can turn around and pull them along too. And sometimes when we're in the swirl of our life, if we step out into somebody else's world, we can get a different perspective when we love and serve someone who is different than us. And it can be part of our healing. So I encourage you to do that. I was on a plane uh, a week or two ago, and I was sitting next to a woman, and she looked at me and literally said, I'm lost. And by the grace of God, over the next two hours, we did some listening to God and some prayer and some tears, and she was able to identify this blackness inside of her that was called self-hatred, and, and it, it was an unforgiveness towards herself of something she'd done 30 years ago. She couldn't get forgiveness. She pictured it as a big rock, and she gave it to Jesus on the cross. He took it and then gave her new life. to lift our eyes to a new horizon, to look for the people right around us that need to hear this good news of Jesus and point their face, point their face to the kingdom of God, to Jesus. God's heart is for the nations. It's his thing, so it's our thing too. So as we live our life, we intentionally welcome the foreigner across the street. We pray strategically and purposefully. We go around the world, we send those who go, and we tell people about them. So God, I just want to end tonight to thank you for the chance to speak on behalf of people who need to be part of your family. And I can just imagine in the heavenlies, later on, there's going to be people from every tribe, every nation, every culture beside me, some people that we've prayed for that we haven't even met and they're going to be there because we were part of your plan to reach the nations. We want to be a light. God, we want to be a light to people around us. We want to show love and we want to be intentional. So God, what is our role? As we listen to you just for a minute, what is our role? What do you want me to do this week? What faces do you bring to mind? And God, we thank you We thank you that you love us and that you want to partner with us and be part of this with us. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Thank you, Jeannie. I know a lady who uh, used to be a missionary to China, and then she came back and, and started working in the United States and mobilizing people to go. And I remember hearing her speak one time, and she said, uh, someone asked her, hey, hey, when did you get the call uh, to be a missionary? And she goes, I got saved. And it's this idea, <laughs> this idea that that when we get saved, we are called to, uh, to the Great Commission to go either across the street and to love our neighbors well, to love our enemies well, and to proclaim the goodness of Jesus, or to go overseas and to proclaim his name. So if we are followers of Jesus, we are called to go and to love those in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, welcome once again to Reach Week. Uh, We got a lot of events going on for you uh, this week, including tonight. We got prayer and pie night. So if you're thinking, pie sounds really good right now. uh, You're invited at 6 p.m. in the lobby. We're going to have some time praying. Um, for our week and for our missionaries, and we'll end it with some pie together. Uh, Wednesday night, we got a family fun night. It's gonna be pretty fun. Free dinner at 6 p.m., free, uh, hope to see you there. And then also Friday night, we got Bunko and baklava, and we're gonna be playing some bunko with our missionaries while we eat baklava. Cool, I think it'll be a good time. I've got a lot coming up for you, but Matt, what else we got going on?
4: Yeah, so we just invite you to engage in these events during each week. And then even beyond right now, here on Sunday morning, we we'll want to invite you to some specific things. One is, as you leave in the lobby today, we have Ginny Marie's book that's available. It's a $10 donation, but if you don't have cash on you, don't let that hold you back. We want you to get that book in your hands. You support us to read a lot of books, and this is the best book I've read in the last year. It will radically encourage and inspire you to take that next step in a global call. So pick up that book as you leave today. And in the lobby, we have a form or sheet that looks like this. This has a list of where all of our Calvary missionaries are speaking at 11 o'clock, including Jeannie Marie, who you just heard from, will be in the worship center to answer questions and engage in here. So stick around in here if you don't have a life group. And we have Bill Campbell, who Eric talked about, will also be in the B building. You can find out specifically, specifically where in this sheet. In fact, we have many Calvary missionaries in the room right now. If you are a Calvary missionary, would you just quickly stand where you're at right now? Calvary missionaries in the room. Well done. What a joy to have you here this week. So grab a sheet in the lobby and jump into a life group. It doesn't even have to be your life group. You can just jump into one at 11 o'clock. We'd love for you to be encouraged to hear stories of how God is using our Calvary partners around the world and then would you look into your bulletin booklet that you grabbed when you walked in and will you pull out this card called the faith promise card and i want to walk you through this you know we have two buckets of giving here at calvary church we have our general offering that we take sunday to sunday and and our general offering bucket goes towards the amazing ministries of calvary And then we have above and beyond that a second bucket, which is our missions giving. And this gives, this goes towards our 90 plus partners here at Calvary Church and the work that God's doing through Calvary around the world. And I want to re-challenge each of us. If you've been a faithful giver to Faith Promise Program or just giving towards missions here at Calvary, well done. And we're so thankful for, for how you've been generous Keep it up. Keep going. If you even picture me in the corner like, come on, you can do it. Let's do this. (laughs) If you've never gotten involved, though, today I want to challenge you to radical generosity. Take that step of faith to say, God, you own everything that I have, and I want to give towards things that last for eternity. If I had five seconds to run up and down the worship center and tap as many shoulders as possible... How many shoulders could I grab and, or touch in five seconds? Maybe, I'm pretty fast, but five, six, maybe at the most. Okay, I want you to do this right now. Just appropriately touch the shoulder of the person next to you. Now raise your hand if your shoulder was touched. We are better together. <laughs> one person can give one thing, and there can be some impact All of us together, giving collectively, can have a massive impact. So I challenge us as a church to be giving towards missions here at Calvary.
3: In a tangible way that you guys can actually head out the doors this morning and uh, continue the each one, reach one, is uh, we're doing a little Peeps outreach, you know the little marshmallows, Peeps, yeah? There they are, cute little things. Uh... We're calling this uh, Treats for My Peeps, and it's a good way for you to go to your neighbor and say, here's some treat, treats, because you're my peeps, and, uh, <laughs> and, and invite them to Easter services on there. There's a bunch of information on there for them to come be a part of our Easter services coming up, so that's just one tangible way uh, we could do that this morning. Uh, why do you guys pray with me as we uh, sing one last song about building our lives on Jesus, because he is our foundation. And he is the one who we are called to live by and to live for. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you, God, this morning. And, God, we thank you for your gospel. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And, God, I pray for our hearts, Lord, that we would be so convicted, so stirred by the good news, Lord, that we can't help but want to teach and to share the good news with those that are lost. Lord, may we be willing to be uncomfortable to go across the street and to get to know our neighbors, to love them well, and to hopefully share the good news with them. And God, if we feel so compelled, God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts, Lord, and show us where else should we go, God. So God, we love you. May you be honored and glorified in this time. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.
4: Amen.